And when we see that kind of response and satisfaction, it motivates us even more. Has there been ups and downs and challenges? Yes, I mean, you know, there's always uh, 36 hours worth of work in 24 hours, but you know, that's part of the startup journey. Welcome to the Authentically Successful Show. I'm Carol Schultz, founder and CEO of Vertical Elevation, a talent equity and leadership coaching and advisory firm. We partner with founders and CEOs to create talent-centric organizations, either where they don't currently exist or rebuild companies into talent-centric organizations. We are committed to supporting your vision and values by creating healthy, successful companies, leveraging the best talent, retention, development, and succession strategies. Listen at the end of the show for information about becoming my next guest on one of the most important podcasts for building thriving companies. Here we go. With me today is Jagadish Gatu, founder and CEO of Uptime AI, an artificial intelligence-based predictive maintenance software provider for companies and in heavy industries. Jag is a passionate entrepreneur with over 15 years experience leading cross-functional teams to deliver enterprise software and connected devices with hardware, software, and cloud analytics. He has a proven track record of developing six ideas from concept to product launch with fail fast philosophy, generating 150 million in revenues. Jag has experience managing teams and all aspects of the product lifecycle, including market analysis, product strategy, R&D initiatives, driving product requirements through rapid prototyping, regulatory compliance, and go to market with marketing, sales, and partners. Welcome to the show, Jag. Thank you, Carol. Uh, great to be here. Yeah. So tell me, what is the biggest problem that you're solving for your customers? Yeah. So um, look, I mean, you know, manufacturing itself, right? It's a, in some ways, it's a niche industry. You know, um, if you if you talk to you know a thousand people and ask you know how many people have been in a manufacturing facility, you know it's not it's not that common, right? Um, now, um, specifically within manufacturing, if you look at the heavy asset industries like you know chemicals, you know um, cement, steel, you know um, these are more complex operations, and typically they're running continuously twenty four seven, right? Um, and um, most of the times. There are also large-scale industries where all the machines are interconnected uh, to each other. I mean, you know, if, if one of them stops, you know, the line has to stop and so on. So whenever there is, an, there is a challenge um, or operational problem, for example, you know, one of the equipment goes down, which is a common problem, which leads to downtime, right? But also other aspects such as, you know, are you... Uh, consuming more energy or you're consuming more steam, right? Or the chemical reaction is not happening efficiently or, you know, um, your people are not being um, effective or efficient, right? These are all um, challenges that can lead to reduction in the profitability and, you know, increase in maintenance costs. So now, um, over over the past, you know, decade or so, I mean, you know, as, as technology has evolved, um, people start using some tools to analyze the data. Um, but then, you know, what we see is even still today, a lot of the troubleshooting and, um, and identifying what the source of the problem is and what to do to fix it is dependent on very specific people who have, you know, maybe 30, 40 years of experience. They're, they're called the subject matter experts. Now, we've seen in the industry that these experts are retiring in large numbers. 
And at the same yes. time, you know, the younger um, engineers and the younger workforce that is coming in, they are expecting to do this on their own and faster. Mm-hmm. They don't want to stay for 25 years in the same role to be able to understand, you know, how, what to do, right? And essentially, that's where Uptime AI is coming in. And we're able to offer that AI-based virtual assistant that can help engineers that where, you know, we democratize the expertise and help the engineers solve either uh, reliability or performance or productivity problems faster um, and at a larger scale in the industrial segment. Yeah. You know, I've, I've heard this issue with other founders that are in, let's call it, you know, selling into blue collar industries, mm-hmm. right? Um, that all the people who know what they're doing are retiring (laughs) (laughs) and they're really in a bad way. (laughs) So, yeah, you know, yikes. Yeah. It's interesting that, um, you know, over, um, over my experience, you know, working in the, with with different industry, different companies, as well as, you know, uh, my experience when I was at GE, I worked with several Mm -hmm. um, subject matter experts. And today, I mean, you know, more than 70, 80% of them have already retired. So, uh, and and many of them are still working as consultants um, and trying to Mm -hmm. solve these problems for, for, um, for customers. So, yeah, it's a real problem. Yeah, I, I imagine. So you founded the company in 2019. Right. Um, you are currently um, about 1.5 million in seed. Mm-hmm. What has, you know, so far, what has your investors excited about what Uptime, Uptime AI is up to? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, what we're seeing um, in the market is, um, is a real um, appreciation and, and um, appreciation for what we're able to bring in, right? Uh, we have now deployments in power generation, both gas-based, you know, we are deploying for renewables, wind and solar. We have customers in refining, um, in cement, in also with regards to chemicals, right? Um, we work with uh, several, you know, multiple Fortune 500 companies across mm-hmm. um, Asia, Middle East, and we have deployments in the U.S. as well. So what we what we consistently see when we present a solution is that the way we're approaching the problem in terms of one, you know, faster to deploy, two, um, how we can combine the domain knowledge and the data science and the AI to solve the problems faster, and three, which is even more important, is to be able to um, improve the solution on the fly as you go. I mean, one of the biggest challenges is uh, a lot of the companies, everybody understands that in order to get extra value and extra you know, insights from it, you need to process that data. But the way people do is, um, is very different, right? Um, different understood, different ways. Uh, what we have seen is um, for large enterprises, the value really comes when you're able to scale or you're able to take um, a solution and apply it to, you know, there are a hundred different units or a hundred different sites. Um, but, you know, so doing a simple pilot um, as a, as a theoretical exercise or as a, as a, a proof of concept, but not having a real way to scale it over, you know, many, many, many sites is a challenge. And, and what we see is when you're providing the solution to operations teams in the manufacturing Right, um, the solution should be able to provide value, and should be um, an operator should be able to use that solution. 
as opposed to data scientists, because you can have a data scientist build a model, right? Um, but once you hand it over to an operator, it should be able to sustain itself. If you are continuously right. dependent on the data scientist, then you need to pair every operator with the data scientist. And the knowledge gap right. between the data science and operations is very, very different, right? Um, and so our approach in, in, in how we're handling that is um, universally accepted. We have a very high success rate when we, uh, when we present to the customers. And that's what our investors are really excited as we are able to make that um, uh, you know, significant uh, pull in the market and the appreciation and the value that we're able to deliver to the customers. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So, so you got your bachelor's at uh, IIT, Indian Institute of Technology, which um, is very, very well known in India. Right. Um, uh, and then you came here to the states and went to Michigan State, and then subsequently, eventually, got your MBA. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me a little bit about your journey through, you know, coming here to the states, who you've worked for, and and like how you came about. You know, I, I know you spent, you know, time working for the MathWorks and, you know, and, and you know, GE you've already mentioned. Um, but tell me a little bit about your journey through and how you came up with this idea. Yeah, yeah. Um, so as you mentioned, I mean, you know, um, I came to the States to do my master's and um, uh, I, I, I have always been at the intersection of industry and analytics. You know, that, that was always my, my passion or, you know, my interest, so to speak. So um, right after college I, um, or master's, I joined MathWorks, which is a great company. I mean, you know, they yep. make industrial uh, software for, uh, for you know, any kind of um, uh, uh, industry. And um, I was there both. Um, I was in their consulting division. I worked um, with several industries, all the way from automotive to aerospace, defense, U.S. Air Force, mm. NASA, Boeing, mm-hmm. and pharma, and then energy industry. So did a lot of work in um, uh, analytics, optimization, that kind of stuff. Um, and then after that, joined uh, GE uh, to go more into the product uh, space at GE. I was more uh, working on um, new opportunities, new um, ideas in terms of you know how we can develop those for all the way from idea to, uh, to commercialization, uh, mostly focusing on smart equipment, smart instrumentation, as well as um, analytics-based, you know, um, asset and plant monitoring solutions. And I think, you know, both of these experiences um, sort of uh, prepared me towards, you know, to what I'm doing right now. Because, you know, my initial days at MathWorks, it was all, it was more technical, but then, you know, um, looking at, uh, but gave me a lot of exposure into various kinds of industries and what are the type of challenges that they face in the manufacturing side. And then at GE, more as a solution provider and also, you know, um, um, also uh, leading the charge in terms of um, identifying opportunities for next generation analytics solutions, right? Um, so having interacted with a wide range of customers, many of the process super majors across the globe, all the way from U.S. to Europe to Middle East and then, you know, um, Asia and Southeast Asia. Um, I've seen the, the, um, the ask or I've seen what customers want to do, right, and where the pain points are and where the extra value is. But then I've also seen uh, customers challenge, challenge uh, finding it challenging to f- to um, get solutions which are really catered towards that specific industry, 
right? Um, and that's where, you know, they were trying to figure out how to do this with uh, more generic analytical platforms and analytical tools per se. But then again, you know, this is a specific industry and specific use cases and specific type of users. And so what we have decided or what Uptime AI does is we're not trying to solve, you know, every single analytical problem in the world, right? Or, or you know, we're not trying to solve um, face recognition or, you know, um, risk modeling or other kind mm-hmm. of things. We're focusing on operations and, um, and maintenance, right? We're focusing on operations in, in manufacturing for equipment. And we are providing the best-in-class solution that is best suited for that particular use case so that, you know, we can actually solve it in the best way. And that's what we're doing with Uptime AI and AI Expert as our solution. Yeah, well, and and that's, you know, that's another thing that you hit around really being focused on what you're doing, right? You know, you don't need to be all things to all people. Exactly, exactly. You know, you, you find a niche that actually needs a problem solved. That's right, because, you know, um, there are problems which are more uh, generic in nature or, you know, which have less um, workflows and less steps to be able to do something. For example, if you just have a decision to make, which is yes or no, which is, which is you know, a black and white decision and a model can tell you it's, it's simpler. But in operations, it's not like that. You know, you can't just say, oh, there might be a small issue, so we'll just shut down the unit. I mean, it's not a black and white decision. There are multiple aspects, multiple functions. And and so that uh, workflow and how you make those decisions, how you connect the dots between your reliability teams, instrumentation teams, your process teams, your energy teams, all of that is very, very important. And and that's what we do with that, with our application. We bring those connections to the forefront so that the teams can make those informed decisions quickly and you know with greater insights. What's the competitive landscape look like in your business? Yeah, um, it is. I think you know, in in some ways, um, if you look at the industry 4.0, the uh, the overall market and the interest started maybe you know in. in 2015, 2016, you know, that, that was the time when things were kind of, you know, very much um, at a high point from a high perspective. Um, and so there are a lot of players who came in, some of them who are more traditional industrial uh, vendors, right, who provide hardware mm-hmm. and OEMs, right, um, mm-hmm. who try to take a, uh, who said, okay, you know, we have the connections and we want to do more software now, right, Um and that was one approach. Um, and then, you know, there are, are, we also see in the industry players who come from a pure software uh, perspective, right? Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not naming any, um, any specific uh, vendors here for, um, mm-hmm. you know, to, to, um, uh, to not point out anyone. But, um, and then, right. you know, there are software players who come mainly from analytics and IT background, right? Um, who don't necessarily have the industry expertise or industry domain knowledge. And trying mm-hmm. to say, I can provide you an analytical tool, right? Um, and what I've mm-hmm. seen from my experience is that customers really struggle with both cases uh, because mm-hmm. building a world-class software application is um, uh, is on its own. You know, it's it's a separate uh, skill, and you have to have all the different elements to be able to build a very successful product, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so where, what we have seen from my experience working with large companies like, you know, um, you know, BP, Dow and other, other companies, 
we've seen that um, just one ingredient is not enough. You know, you can't just start with data science. You can you can't just start with domain expertise. You really have to mm-hmm. build a solution that really brings them together in a way that can help you solve the problem, right? And right. so um, today, I mean, I'm 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 glad to tell that um, we won against. Um, OEM players, very large scale OEM players um, in, you know, both in Asia, we won against, you know, um, large scale um, analytical platform players um, in the U.S. So um, we're happy to say that in some cases we have displaced existing um, vendors who have those solutions. So um, I I think, you know, um, we have been able to do certain benchmarks uh, or or benchmark studies. Mm -hmm to demonstrate what is the difference between, you know, um, a customer who has used a different solution versus ours mm-hmm. and, um, and um, how that translates to value. And once the customer sees that, I mean, it's, it's natural that we have pretty much a 100% success rate from moving from a pilot to, um, to an enterprise deal. It, 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 you mean 100% success rate in closing the deal? Um, so typically, um, you start with um, with a uh, deployment at a site, right? Um, right. You know, and, and so what we're saying is once we deploy at a site, from there, you know, scaling it up to multiple sites, you know, um, it's pretty much, you know, we, we, so far we have not had a single customer who said, you know, we don't want to scale up. Uh, well, yeah, that, and that's, that's what I mean. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's, exactly. well, that's fantastic. Right. So, um, and you must feel really great about that and, and you're certainly proud of your team that you've put together. Absolutely. Um, do you have a sweet spot uh, from a standpoint of the type or size of company that you're calling into? Yeah, so um, you know we uh, typically um, like to work at a um, at a unit or a site level as opposed to at an individual equipment level. And the reason mm-hmm. for that is, look, I mean there are OEMs who can monitor a pump, right? There are OEMs who can monitor a valve. Um, but when we when we look at the um, when we try to understand what's the problem that is um, that is causing uh, that is happening in the site, right? Mm-hmm. It's typically um, because of the interrelations between multiple equipment. Okay, and so we have um, a patented approach of system-based modeling where we, mm-hmm. we connect different elements uh, to be able to present the underlying cause for the for the for the operators so that they can take an action quickly, right? Mm-hmm. And so for that reason, and and given the approach that we take, where the application can learn from what the user is doing to get um, more smarter in terms of its insights and minimize unnecessary um, alerts. Um, we also um, focus more on how we can uh, bring that enterprise knowledge management and consistency across multiple sites. So having so the reason why I'm saying this is because uh, from that perspective, definitely enterprises which have you know either multiple sites, you know um, fleets right mm-hmm. where there is a significant mm-hmm. scale, um, I think you know, those are customers who uh, really appreciate our solution, and, and that's what we're seeing. So typically, when we look at power, chemicals, you know, LNG, cement, um, renewables, uh, we are seeing that uh, most of the most of the players, you know, um, do like our solution when we're talking about a site level or a unit level or a large fleet. Got it. What are you doing about getting your name out there from a marketing standpoint? And, you know, how are you finding your prospects and, or how are they finding you? 
Yeah, yeah, great point. I mean, it's a um, it, it's it's definitely an um, evolving process that we're going through. Um, also, the fact that uh, you know our solution is called AI Expert, right? Um, now, um, in the market, there are certain um, when we talk about a virtual assistant or AI based assistant for mm-hmm. operations. Um, it's not necessarily an established category, so to speak, right? Right. Um, and so we do have to do a bit more of, um, of elaboration or, or just, you know, explain to the customer how we're different. And we're doing that in multiple ways. Um, you know, one, of course, you know, doing, doing um, podcasts or events like, you know, what, what I'm doing right. now. Um, but at the same time, you know, uh, we have white papers on our website that kind of going to talk about What's the difference between in true AI-based application versus an application that people call it as an AI-based application, but it's really not an AI application, right? Um, um, how so, you, what could, so let me let me stop you. What is the difference? Yeah. Before you so, go on. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so because everybody's going to be thinking, well, what is the difference in those two things? <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to know. So the way sure. we define um, mm-hmm. our application as AI um, is if the application brings in you know, cognitive skills um, like problem solving and self-learning, right? Um, uh, if okay. I have a solution that is able to bring human-like cognitive skills to be able to solve problems and to be able to learn on its own, right? That's what we define as AI. And this is, okay. you know, in general, what I've seen also from, you know, the definition from like, uh, like uh, you know, Stanford and other, you know, some of the academia mm-hmm. also considers that as mm-hmm, a, mm-hmm. a true AI application. And we do have AI-based applications in other places. Like, you know, uh, you know, there are AI assistants for call centers. There are AI assistants for sales and, and other kind of things, right? Um, but now what we're doing is we're taking... We're taking that kind of concept and applying it to manufacturing operations. Um, but it. you know, going back to your point, yeah, we yes. have white papers, uh, we have case studies in which we try to highlight, you know, the key differences, um, and also we um, we do uh, multiple webinars that we're that we're doing, right? Um, mm-hmm. And so, um, and we're also uh, planning to increase some of our um, our uh, marketing spend to be able to. Uh, present at the conferences, you know, and also sponsor some of those events um, for next year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What types of conferences, Jag? So, um, you know, mostly around um, digital transformation. So, um, so conferences mm-hmm. like Connected Plant and you know AFPM and others. Yeah. Okay, got it. So, what would you say um, are the biggest challenges you're facing? Uh, with uptime AI and are those the same challenges your competitors are facing as well? You know, from an industry standpoint. Yeah, I think from an industry standpoint, um, I, I think, you know, there is more, um, um, you know, different industries and different, um, uh, markets are at different maturity levels, right. In terms mm-hmm. of what, how they see, uh, digital solutions. Right. Um, and I think um, that variation is something in, in the general maturity of the market um, is something that I think overall, as all vendors, we have to uh, we have to do. There is still room to um, send that you know, clarity in terms of you know, how what is the process, how, how you can take it forward and you know, what are the different use cases and so on. Um, I think that as an overall industry, uh, 
I think you know there is more to be done to uh, to get to that level of maturity. Um, mm-hmm. Comparing to other markets and other industries, right? Um, if you look at you know just B two C market, I mean the way the analytics are used or logistics for that matter, right? It's mm-hmm. considerably more mature compared to a more conservative you know industrial segment. Um, on the other hand, you know the other part is also um, I think you know we've also done a lot of um, work in terms of you know cybersecurity. Uh, scaling up, right? Um, mm-hmm. The processes that are that need to be in place to give that um, comfort to the to the customer, um, and I think you know again a lot of education, a lot of you know um, information sharing in terms of you know what we're doing, how these are you know uh, safe and secure in terms of you know, cloud migration. Um, I think these are areas where um, industry is evolving, and I think you know in probably in a few years um, it's not going to be a real problem. What would you say, you know, this is your first time leading a company. Um, you know, what, I'm curious, did, did you have an expectation of what it would be like? What did it actually turn into? <laughs> what are some of the mistakes that you've made along the route? So, yeah, um, you know, I've always been um, passionate about, I've always been very hands-on, right? Um, and I've always yeah. been passionate about um building something that can improve the lives of other people. Um, and, um, and so from that perspective, uh, it was, you know, doing a startup or starting up something was, um, uh, was pretty much something that was on my mind for maybe, you know, mm-hmm. um, several years, right. Before I started, um, Uptime AI. Um, so that, that gives a drive to kind of, you know, keep going. Um, but to answer a question about, um, what is the, how was the process is, I would say it's incredibly uh, satisfying, right? Um, and mm-hmm. because when you um, when you see a passionate team around you, um, my co-founder, you know, he's a, he's a great friend of mine. We go back, we, we go back almost twenty years, um, and uh-huh. this is his second startup. So um, he he also mm-hmm. brings some knowledge. He's a repeat founder. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So he's, okay, uh, that's great. He's done this before, and um, mm-hmm. I, we're, we're we're really lucky to have a very strong team. Around, um, you know, around me, who's also equally passionate about um, making a huge impact in the manufacturing segment and what we're doing, um, and so we're working for really hard, um, definitely, and we really put the customer at the forefront, at the, at the center of what we're doing to make sure that they get the value, they're satisfied. You know, what other, what are the challenges? Um, it's very, very highly customer focused. Um, and when we see that kind of um, response and the and the satisfaction, it motivates us even more, right? Um, oh, sure. Has there been ups and downs and challenges? Yes, I mean, you know, there's always uh, 36 hours worth of work in 24 hours, but you know, that's that's part of the startup mm-hmm. journey, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. So, so as a as a CEO, though, what would you say are you know where are some of the where have you made mistakes personally as a leader mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and where, and, 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 and are you still having challenges in any of those areas? Yeah, yeah, uh, definitely. I think, you know, um, the, one of the, um, couple, I'll, I'll talk about a couple of areas, right? Um, yeah. one area is, um, you know, it's always easier to accept or to say yes to things. It's always harder to say no. And as a, as a startup, right? I hear that a lot. Yeah. yeah. When, you're, right. when you're beginning, yeah. um, you mm-hmm. do get these, you know, you can be pulled in different directions. Right. Um, and especially we also see that 
when customers find that you're you're um, you're honest and you know you pro- you deliver what you promise, right? Um, mm-hmm. You're a good company. They also want you to do more, <laughs> and we have seen this, you know, quite a bit with customers where um, we we are they, they like our solution, and then they ask us um, for a lot more. I mean, during the COVID period, we have seen customers coming to us and say, you know, we want to I, we want to detect whether um, you know. Uh, engineers are wearing masks or not you know we have we want to install cameras and can you uh, can you detect whether you know people are wearing masks right it's not necessarily wow. what we focus on but right. and so initially big big brother exactly <laughs> and, and so initially yeah we uh, we thought a lot about it and, and maybe you know we've, we've taken one of the one such case one such um, use case mm-hmm. but then we and we quickly realized that we don't want to be a generic you know data science or analytics company. We want to be a very focused, you know, um, best in class solution for operations, right? Uh, for machine mm-hmm. and, and um, machine operations or process and manufacturing mm-hmm. operations. So we decided to pull back. So that was one um, lesson learned that, you know, not to, not to dilute, just because, you know, we want to be nice to, um, nice to customers. So after that, we, sure. we, uh, we recommended, you know, when customers come to us and ask us, you know, um, we want we have this certain, certain challenge or certain use case, we connected them with maybe, you know, other, other players. Someone else who can solve that. Yeah. Very suit. good. Um, mm-hmm. The other mm-hmm. lesson learned or other challenge that I found is essentially finding right people, right? Um, well, this yeah. is, um, um, as, a, as, a, as I mentioned, you know, it's very, very important to have a great team um, who can complement mm-hmm. and can support, you know, the, the, the vision and how we execute that. And, um, and, and I think, you know, part of it is... Um, you can't just always go by qualifications because, you know, um, the fit is extremely important, right? As you go into a large company, people talk a lot about, you know, fit and culture. And um, as, when you're young as a startup, you know, you kind of think that maybe that's, um, you know, because you have certain constraints and other things. So you are always trying to work around those. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, when you, um, uh, I think that culture and fit is extremely important, especially, you know, mm-hmm. for the mission, for whether they have the same kind of, you know, interest and passion that you are seeing or you have um, for your uh, vision. So, um, so, you know, had made some mistakes there, but then, you know, we quickly kind of you know, learned uh, what to do, what not to do, what to look for. Um, to make sure that there's mm-hmm. a good alignment, and so you know, um, and so we do value a lot more about um, uh, the fit and the culture. Um, you know, sometimes even more than uh, specific, absolutely mm-hmm. specific. You know, um, skill set. Mm-hmm. Did you did you not have anybody advisors or mentors guiding you through that process? Because you know, not knowing that costs you money out of the box, right? Right. 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 And, and making bad hires, right, right, you know, right. bad hires. Yeah, yeah. You know. I, th- I think we do. Um, we did, um, and we still do. Um, you know, um, so a lot of it, I think, you know, some of those aspects are, um, you do understand that culture is important, right? But then, you know, what specifically is more important to, to be looked at? You know, um, I think some of that is, um, is a learning experience uh, for us. Um, so... It wasn't that you know we were making completely um, uh, you know we're not we're not bringing in you know people who, who were not very mm-hmm. or totally bad fit right but then you know um, we weren't looking necessarily looking at you know 
whether it would, it would suit a startup um, life or you know um, some of those elements where um, it's important for the um, uh, for who for the team member to also understand what is involved in a startup. You know some of the ambiguity, some of that. Um, you know, wearing multiple hats, right? Especially for people who are coming in from a very large enterprise or large companies. Well, um, so right. yeah. I mean, th- there's a case not to hire people like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, um, um, and you know, so that's. I mean, it, it's not. You know, it's like I've always said: re- repeat founders have a greater probability to succeed. Yeah. First-time founders have a greater probability to fail. Mm-hmm. People coming from a large company to a small company have a far greater probability of failure <laughs> than somebody who's already been in a small company. Now, there's not a guarantee of that, but it's just, you know, working with probabilities, right? So, yeah. you know, you're currently at about 30 employees full-time uh, across the U.S. and India. Um, what does your organization look like from a standpoint of what, you know, who's doing what? Yeah. So, um, you know, we as an organization, we have, you know, different functions like um, we have an implementation team, right? Uh, we have a team with uh, subject matter experts, right, who have uh, cumulatively, you know, they have maybe more than 200, you know, plus years of experience in the industry. Right. We do have a data science team. Uh, we have a software team, both from a front end and back end uh, standpoint, you know, um, DevOps or mm-hmm. Cloud Ops is part of that software team. And then, you know, um, the product, which is, you know, which is pretty much managed by uh, myself. And then uh, we also have um, sales team, right, both uh, focusing on different different uh, geographies. So that's kind of, you know, the structure that we have right now. Got it. So l- let's talk a little bit more about, you know, your talent strategies. You talked about you, you learned, the, unfortunately, the hard way, the importance of fit, right? And I've said this many times on my podcast when it, when it is appropriate to say so, that somewhere north of 50% of people fail in the first 18 months for reasons having nothing to do with their skills and abilities at a job, right? So, you know, yes, do you need the skills and abilities? Of course you do. But if you really put them side by side, you can have every skill and ability in the world. If somebody's not a fit, it doesn't matter, right? So, you know, you, you really have to look at and balance out, you know, on a scale of one to 10, what are those skills that we actually are the need to have versus the nice to have? What can we train somebody up? How long is that going to take? Is it worth doing that if they're a fantastic cultural fit? Exactly. Right? So tell me a little bit about your talent strategy now that you've sorted through some of those things. Right, right. So we we look at um, roles and um, and when we have a opening, right? We we think about it in is it going to be more of a um, is it more of a dynamic role, a problem-solving role, right? Um, a more mm. open-ended role, right? Um, or is it very, very structured, and we know exactly what they need to do? And is it is it mm. more of a um, uh, very well-defined in terms of the scope, right? Um, and, mm-hmm. and if it is a um, a very uh, well-defined scope. So, for example, let's say you know we're hiring um, a front-end developer, right? We know what skill set they need. Um, what, right. what do they uh, need to do, right? Um, and that's a bit more defined, right? If you're bringing in an application engineer, engineer, right, or a solution engineer, so to speak, right, it's a bit more diverse because there are multiple types of customers, different, you know. Right. And so 
so we, we, we first think about that, right? And, and once we identify which category it is, right, um, then we know that if it is much more defined, then we know that the skill set is more, is, is very important, right? Because we wanted mm-hmm. them to be productive right away. Um, and in the other case, we want to make sure that um, it's, it's more about aptitude and, um, and the fit, right, um, to be able to... Um, uh, grow and explore and, and, and uh, develop as you go, right? So th- th- the point is not that, you know, it's either fit or skill set. It's definitely always both. But, you know, the question is which one may be a bit more important for which role, right? Um, and so today uh, we, always, we do a few things. One, we want to make sure that people understand what it means to be working in a startup, right? Um, either they already do or they don't, right? If they don't, we ask the question so that they can think through, you know, what it means for them. Uh, tell me a little bit about how you define your culture, Jack. So um, we want to make sure that, um, you know, we put the customers up front, you know, we want to make sure mm-hmm. that we're pushing the boundaries or we're not, we're not settling for, um, selling things just because there are, there are difficult questions, right? We want to keep right. it very open, um, less of a hierarchical, more of a, um, you know, idea-driven uh, culture. And then, you know, finally, um, uh, we want people to have a good time, right? Um, and, and that's also very important for us that um, mm-hmm. when people are working, they want, we want to be, we want to have them come to the work to think that it's, it's exciting, right? Um, they want to make an impact. And they want to be able to, um, you know, drive things, um, bring their ideas, right? And and I think, you know, that's what gives them the satisfaction. So one, you know, as I mentioned, you know, we, we put the customers at front, right, um, and center. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want to be able to deliver value. There's no question about that. The second thing is, you know, innovation um, and, you know, pushing the boundaries, not not selling for, uh, for um, average uh, solutions, right? Mm-hmm. And then the third part is, you know, be nice to each other and kind of um, have that friendly um, atmosphere where people have, you know, a good time, right? Um, mm-hmm. And I think, you know, these three mm-hmm. will um, enable us to uh, realize our vision and, and deliver the value for our customers. Mm-hmm. So, you know, given when you founded the company in 2019 mm-hmm. and then the disaster that happened the following right. year, did that affect your business at all? And if so, how? Yeah, I think, you know, it, it, it did um, in a couple of ways, right? Uh, one, I think um, it also um, made, uh, you know, from two sides. One, from looking outward, right, um, in terms of, you know, how customers reacted to that, Right. And then looking inwards in terms of, you know, how we had to manage the company, right? Um, so from an external standpoint, what we have seen is that um, customers um, were looking to um, looking towards digital solutions more, right? Um, they want, they realized that I can't manage the, the, the operations, you know, um, by sitting at home because I don't have a digital solution that I can actually get right. insights, Right. And so that definitely accelerated a lot of the IT engagements and activities, right? On the other hand, you know, looking inward in terms of our company itself, um, there are a couple of aspects. One, we did hire um, considerably most of the uh, most of the team that we actually have today was hired during the COVID period. So we continue to expand, which is probably um, you know, um, which, which is a good thing. Um, mm-hmm. 
At the same time, what we also saw was um, as you go into more of a remote culture, right? Um, it's also important to um, have that association and, and understanding, or, or you know, being able to connect with others in the same company. Right. So, um, right. so that is also um, we wanted to do more. I think I think there is room for us to do a lot more in that area, and we're constantly looking at ways to do that, um, do that more and more. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, you know, um, uh, I think that that is one of the areas where we feel that, uh, we could, uh, we want to do more in the next year in terms of, you know, bringing people together, um, having more, um, opportunities to, um, to, um, and, and providing that flexibility to come in to, uh, to work. Yeah. Have, have you been able to get everyone together physically in one place? Um, yet? Not yet. Not yet. You know, um, okay. So that's what you're looking yeah, to do, I assume. Yeah. yeah. yeah? Got it. And have you thought about how often during the year you want to do that? How many times a year? Um, we haven't yet decided because I, I think, you know, part of it is also that um, people have families, you know, they have other commitments, you know, so we just yeah. have to um, be cognizant of that. And a lot of the folks, you know, um, um, either they moved to their hometowns, you know, different different places, right, from, mm-hmm. uh, from Bangalore, where we have our main office in India. Um, mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we do have to be cognizant of that. So I think at least once a year, we definitely want to do it. Um, and, you know, uh, whether we do it more will depend on the, on the feedback from that. Uh, from Well, and it'll also depend on your finances, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, you, know, you, of course. Yeah. you know, I mean, you, you've taken a little bit of money so far. And you know, that's, you know, when you start thinking about bringing, you know, how many people in from India to the United States and where you're going to do that, that, you know, cha-ching, cha-ching. Right, right. But it's, but, you know, you have to also look at the pay, the payoff for that, right? Right, right. right. Which is usually, which is usually quite, quite big. Yeah. So, speaking of speaking of money, what's your financial model for for the product? Yeah. So, where are essentially how do you charge? Yeah, we, we're a SaaS based, um, you know, um, subscription based mm-hmm. company. We're a cloud um, for a solution. So, um, so yeah. our solution is cloud based. Um, in in our um, our business model is is based on uh, the number of you know sensors, right? Um, so we go to a, we go, we go to a, um, uh, a client or you know a manufacturing facility, and we look at you know mm-hmm. what's the um, what's the industry, and then you know what's the um, what are the um, how much data do they have, right? What's the complexity in there, and we measure the complexity based on you know, the number of sensors, and and uh, typically those are the main drivers for how we price. Okay. So where do you see yourself, if you look, kind of look at 12 months ahead through 2023, where do you see yourself investing in, in resources Yeah, to grow? Yeah, so um, we're, we're uh, bringing in more. We, we are actually, you know, um, we have multiple deployments and um, our deployment pipeline is growing significantly. So right. um, mm-hmm. we already have, you know, several open positions in, um, in both implementation, solution engineering, product management, right? Um, we're also going to bring in um, sales and sales and marketing as well. So most of it is marketing, um, implementation, and um, mm-hmm. and sales, right? I think that those are key areas that we're gonna we're gonna grow. Where's Where's your sales team headquartered here in India? So sales headquarters is in the U.S. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Okay, fantastic. Uh, and is that where most of your business is coming from? Is here in the states? 
So, so far, uh, we have a healthy mix global. right now. I think you know we mm-hmm. have um, clients in the U.S., um, but we also have clients in, coming from Asia as well. Um, so, um, so definitely, you know, I would say uh, both are kind of going hand in hand. But I think um, mm-hmm. we are we're seeing more and more uh, coming in in the in the um, in the North America. So, I th- I th- yeah. So, yeah. So, what does your day to day look like as a leader? What do you spend your time doing? Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of it is um, as, a, as a founder, um, it's important for me to really understand um, what customers are asking for, you know, whether the vision and what we have as a solution, is it actually, um, is it is it solving and satisfying the customer's requirements and the mm-hmm. needs, right? So for me, you know, I, um, I, I sit in customer calls, you know, um, I make sure that, um, so that is part of, you know, so, so a lot of it is uh, mm-hmm. customer facing. Um, and then also making sure that uh, whether um, the post deployment, you know, whether there is um, whether the customers are finding any issues or challenges, or you know, what um, um, or are, are they finding some uh, some use cases where you know we could potentially enhance the solution to go into right. So a lot. So part of it is essentially making sure that we're able to deliver value, right? Uh, customers are finding the value. And that's a huge part of it. The other part is essentially to groom the team in terms of, you know, um, the functional leadership team to be able to handle, you know, as we scale, right? Now, you know, when we started, we had, you know, maybe most of the teams had, you know, one or two people. Now there are teams where, you know, there are 10 people, right? Or seven people. Sure. So, um, so the time management and how you want to, you want to manage the processes, right? Um, how to streamline the processes. So those are areas that we um, we are also focusing on. And of course, you know, um, uh, yeah. And, and finally, in terms of making sure that our story is, um, is essentially communicated to our clients, you know, the market, our partners, you know, um, and I think uh, those are uh, being that uh, spokesperson in terms of, you know, making sure that mm-hmm. what we're doing is going out there and resonating with the market. Got it. So how do you spend your time when you're not working? So, yeah, um, you know, I, um, I, I have, you know, um, I love cooking. So um, I do, um, I, I, I mean, I do um, cook quite a bit uh, when um, over the weekends, right? So um, I make pizzas all the way from scratch. Um, you know, I, I recently picked up another hobby with regards to, you know, um, espresso and coffee. So <laughs> um, I read about that a lot. Um, so, and then, you know, um, I have a, I have a, um, uh, 12 year old daughter. Um, so uh-huh. when I'm not working, you know, maybe over the weekend, um, go out to San Francisco, you know, go on a hike or, um, have some sure. brunch or, you know, something like that. Yeah. So spend more time with family because as you know, um, we, it, it, it kind of gets, um, a little bit biased towards work when you have a startup. That's right. Cause you spend a lot of time doing that. You really have to. Yeah, it's really important to focus on, I mean, you really have to take time for yourself and your family. Yep. And I've known, you know, I've been, I've been at this for a long time. I've known many, many, many founders and, you know, they, the, the best ones really have made the time in their life to, you know, even if it means, you know, going to pick up their kid from school in the middle of the yeah. day, right? Whatever that might be, or going to a, to going to a ball game yeah. or something like yeah. that, you know, work, work will always be there when you get back home. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> 
right? And I think from that perspective, I mean, I'm, I'm mm. lucky to have a family who's, who's really supportive of what I'm doing, yeah. right? Because um, it's always, mm-hmm. you know, it, it definitely increases the burden on, on your partner, right? Um, when you're, yes. and I think, you know, they're incredibly supportive. So, um, so I prefer that. Yeah, that's terrific. So if somebody listening to this um, likes what they're hearing about your company, and is thinking it's pretty cool and they might want to, uh, you know, given that you've got a lot of growth coming up here over this next year, um, what should they do if they're interested in potentially investigating, you know, working for Uptime AI? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, um, I think whether they want to work for us or for someone, someone else or, you know, um, some other startup, right? Um, as I said, you know, we're, we like to help each other. We like to help, you know, not only within mm-hmm. the company, but others outside also, right? I, I, um, um, I've talked to people who are maybe new um, or just starting their career. You know, they want to have ideas. So um, I'm generally accessible over LinkedIn. Um, you know, typically I'm accessible. Mm-hmm. Um, you could also um, uh, send a send an email to info at uptimeai.com, um, wherein okay. you know, um, our team monitors those. And if there is something that um, mm-hmm. that um, that we need to have a conversation, we can always uh, set those up. Yeah. Fantastic. Is there anything that I haven't covered uh, that uh, or that I missed that you want to talk about before we finish up? No, I think this is uh, this is a great conversation. I really um, enjoyed the, the the discussion. I think you know a lot of times it's more about um, market and you know um, and more about the commercial aspects and how to how to build a company. But you know, I think you know it's very important the, to discuss about the team and how you build a team. Um, and especially right. as you're scaling up. And I think, you know, um, uh, thanks for bringing those points up. I think, you know, that, that definitely should add value to, um, to the listeners. Yeah, great. Well, Jagadish uh, Getu, co-founder and CEO of Uptime AI. Thanks for being with me. It was a really interesting conversation. Love what you're up to. Thanks, Carol. Yeah, great talking to you as well. Thanks for having me on the show. Thank you for listening to Authentically Successful. If you are a successful founder or CEO who would like to be on this program, please visit verticalelevation.com slash podcast slash apply. If you learned something from this interview and it made a difference, please share it on LinkedIn or Twitter. You can also do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend. And if you know of someone who would be a great guest, tag them on LinkedIn or Twitter to let them know about the show and include the hashtag authentically successful. I love seeing your posts and great suggestions. Lastly, we are regularly putting out new episodes and content. And to make sure you don't miss any episodes, please subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. If you want to know more, go to our website, verticalelevation.com, or follow me on LinkedIn. This is Carol Schultz. Thanks again for listening and see you next time.